Hey everyone, just a quick note that I'm excited to let you know that I'm judging the Fall Photomatics HDR Challenge. They've got two categories for you to submit into. One is Realistic HDR and the other is Creative HDR. I'll be sorting through the entries and picking the best of the best. Now, as far as prizes go, they're giving away $500 Amazon gift cards to two first prize winners along with the Photomatics Pro Plus bundle. And two second prize winners get a $200 Amazon gift card and Photomatics Pro. Now, because I've been traveling and out of the loop, I haven't had a chance to announce this contest sooner. So I convinced Photomatics to extend the deadline for TWIP listeners. Now, the original deadline was December 31st, but because you, because you're special, you now have until January 5th, 2016 to submit up to three entries. To enter, just head over to twip.pro slash Photomatics, or just head over to the HDRsoft homepage for rules and a quick entry form. Good luck to everyone, and may the best HDR win. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 445, Travel Hacks from Pro Photographers. For most people, photographers especially, the end of the year is typically when we start traveling a little more, whether it be for work, vacation, or for visiting loved ones for the holidays. But the one thing that remains consistent with most of the amazing photos you see from both amateur and professional photographers is that in order to create amazing photographs, you will most certainly always need an amazing subject. And considering two of the fastest growing segments in the world of photography are street photography and landscape photography, it follows that in order to get these shots, you must travel to where they are. Much like commercial fishermen, they don't just sit on the shore waiting for fish to swim to them, they motor to where the fish are. And in the case of the photographer, you have to travel to where the best shots are. Professional photographers and other people who travel frequently typically have several tricks that they employ to make the trip easier, their luggage lighter, and to ensure that they are as comfortable as possible so that they can focus on making great images. In this episode, I sit down with Valerie Jardin and Shiv Verma, two veteran frequent flyers to discuss a few of their best travel hacks. So get a pen and paper ready to scratch out some notes. This episode is full of useful travel information targeted at the traveling photographer. It's Monday, December 28th, 2015, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on today's show to talk about some really, really interesting topics related to photography are my good friends, Mr. Shiv Verma and Miss Valerie Jardin. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hello. Good, Frederick. Hey, how are you doing? To, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. You know what? I'm... Uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, uh, especially to well to both of you guys. You both travel internationally all the time. I'm still jet lagged. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and it's been it's been what a week. <laughs> it's been more than a week, and I'm still not wanting to get up early. I'm not going to tell you what time I've been getting up, <laughs> but I'm still not wanting to get up. My body wants to be in Southeast Asia for some reason. I think you need to travel a lot more. 
I need to travel more. That's yes, that's yes. the deal. The only that's... way to cure this disease is to travel more. I yeah, just to keep your body completely confused <laughs> oh, yeah, at all yeah, times, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. I feel good though. I feel good. I'm ready. I'm ready to travel again. You know, and it's interesting you say that because that's the main discussion that we're going to have on today's show. Some uh, some tips and tricks from veteran travelers. You two. To, uh, to share with the This Week in Photo Army. Before we start that, Valerie, what's been going on, you know, in your world? You know what? I just got off the phone um, a couple of minutes ago with a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Chris Smith, oh. whom you know from your Out of Chicago yeah, experiences. Chris is awesome. He was just on my show last week or two weeks Oh, was he? Yeah. Guess who's, guess who's joining you at, at this year's Out of Chicago? I know you are, and I hear you're going to be singing, too, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I, I may sing. for I'm, uh, I'm going to do some other things, so we're gonna, it's going to be very entertaining. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You, know, you, have to, you have to come to the conference to see exactly what I'm going to do, but it will be very entertaining at the very yeah. least. So. And that's in June. Is it like the third weekend in June or something? That is, yeah. I still have my notes scribbled down here. It is June. 23rd for the pre-conferences all the way through to the 26th and it's pretty yeah. awesome yeah i love gonna, it it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun you're doing lots of street photography stuff there and roaming around the city of chicago like the pied piper with photographers behind you right <laughs> so that'll be good so shiv verma what have you been up to have you been uh have you been in the u.s or you've been well, abroad? actually i've been in the u.s for the past uh month and a half which is which is really really interesting and uh did you know the bistai badlands which was phenomenal and uh you know spent about the last uh, three four weeks trying to catch up on everything that uh, i should have done back in the summer so <laughs> <laughs> I'm in that boat right now. Yeah. Trust me. So, so, so ca- catch up time, and uh, you know, now I'm just looking forward to 2016. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to. I have fun. a good feeling about this year. 2013 was a little little strange. 14 was less strange. 15 was a really good year. 16, I feel like you know, is going to be insanely good. So well, as, lo- as long as as long as it keeps improving, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all contingent upon this presidential race. So <laughs> they could all, all go south. I'm just saying. I'm not saying anything else, but it could go south. <laughs> so, all right, guys, let's jump into this featured discussion. Um, and we put in the notes, thanks to, to Bruce Clark, um, host of TWIP Weddings and our show notes writer for this show. Um, he suggested we do a roundtable discussion about some of the things that we've learned about packing for our photography trips. I don't travel nearly as much as you guys travel, but I I had some learnings on this trip, as I did Valerie when I went with you to Paris. You know, we did that Paris trip. I had lots of learnings there too. Every trip I go on, I learn something new and I get better and better. So I'm assuming you guys are probably, you know, you probably have like a permanent bag packed and you just go, right? Valerie, like from the like from a high level, before we dive into the minutiae. Some of the things that you learned before you started traveling a lot versus now, like what are some of the like the big highlights? Is it like take less stuff, always check a bag, don't check a bag? Like what what have you learned? No, I do check a bag, but it's only clothes. So I feel like if it doesn't get there, I always have a change of clothes on my carry on. I've learned that because, you know, I mean, you you need to because that's the last thing you want to do when you land is go shopping. And it's it's happened that my bag was delayed a couple of days. And um, 
I don't want to spend, I, I'm, I hate shopping. I mean, people would think I'm insane because I'm in Paris, but I don't, seriously, I don't even walk into a store the whole time I'm in Paris. Um, and uh, so if I have to start my my trip with shopping, <laughs> it's not good. So yeah, I always yeah. have a change of clothes just in case. But uh, anything important besides clothes is with me on the plane. Cameras, electronics, computers, yeah. all that and stuff goes And it's so minimal it. that it really, you know, it's just one small bag, but still, yeah. And um, even when I was still carrying DSLR stuff, um, I, it would, you know, it was on the plane with me. Yeah. Um, I learned from your mistake that it's better to bring your chargers on the plane, too. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> From my wild goose chase around Paris to yeah, find batteries. Yeah. So, but that's not something I was doing until until it happened to you. See, I mean, you learned from your mistake and you learned from others. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a whole little compartment. Oh yeah. I in my head, and this is military stuff. I feel like if my the bag that I check in, especially after this Paris trip. The bag that I check in should be expendable. Right? It should, you know, of course, I'm going to have to go buy some things. But for that first day or so, I should be completely good to do the mission that I'm on this trip to do with just what I have with me on my person. If the bag comes out on that carousel, I'm golden. Yeah. <laughs> but if it doesn't show up, it's not the end of the world. Right. So, Shiv, Shiv what about you? In any any learnings, just like top line learnings before we get into the main? Yeah, I kind of agree with Valerie. The one thing that I mean, I don't carry a full change of clothes because that's, uh, you know, too much stuff. If you're wearing a pair of jeans, you can wear it for a whole week. Sure. I don't care. So, but yeah. uh, it, one of the things that uh, I've kind of learned and it's important is that you, you carry wicking undergarments. You know that's that's important. They're they're light. They're easily packed. What are they called again? Say again? Wick, wicking the ones that absorb moisture and oh, okay. and 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 you can you know wash them out and they dry like literally within fifteen minutes. So so that that's that's uh, you know really convenient and uh, you put those and actually pack them around your lenses, so you don't have to worry about taking up other room. Um, really good. I also look at, uh, you know, what goes in my carry-on bag, and it's usually all the stuff that I can do without. I mean, push come to shove, I can do without a tripod and a ball head, so that goes in the carry-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can do without my, uh, you know, articulating devices to do time-lapse, that can go in the in the carry-on. But it's all heavy stuff. Yeah. So if, if some of that doesn't show up the first day or the second day, it's no big deal. I mean, it, today's cameras, you've got, you know, good ISO capability, you can handhold it and do it. But I learned actually from one of the TWIP shows of a great product. It's the Platypod. Yes, yes. They're they're coming on hopefully in 2016 if I can get through my mountain of email. So, <laughs> so, so I, I got myself one of those and I put, you know, a Benro head on it and it just packs up nicely into its own little pouch. So that's now become a permanent fixture in my bag. And so if I lose the big tripod, if it doesn't show up, at least I have something to stabilize my equipment with when I need it. So yeah, go small and go light. Go small and go light. Yeah, yeah. Two takeaways are, yeah, that that the bag that you check in after they the the check in person throws it on the conveyor belt behind them, you may never see it again. So <laughs> pack pack accordingly. Yes. Right. Yes. Although we, we, that's that hasn't happened. I mean, I should really knock on wood. It hasn't happened in years. I think now, it's. Um, I mean, I think they get the luggage thing, the the check in luggage. Yeah. 
better under better control now than they did 20 years ago right where yeah. it was like every other flight overseas we'd expect the luggage not to show up. It was normal. Now it's pretty rare. I mean, it's happened to, um, like, even I see from, you know, the uh, with all the workshops I teach in a year now, I would say 100 students over 9, 10 workshops. It happened only to one student last year, you know. So that's not too now, bad. Did they lose uh, the luggage permanently well, no, or did they, it just show it up later? It came like three days later, which is okay. actually, they got, you know, first class international uh uh, tickets and uh, gift packages, and they were oh, well geez. taken care of. You know, please lose uh, my luggage. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> that's what we're all yes. thinking. Wow. Uh, so they they got well compensated. I mean, it's inconvenient, but uh, out of let's say a hundred people, just one on international flight, that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. I've only lost. I'm, I've never had an airline lose bags, but it has been delayed to the next flight for some reason. And that I got to tell you, that is the worst feeling in the world. And I still have PTSD from standing at that carousel, the <laughs> last person there, and it stops moving and your luggage is not out. Like, okay, what's going on? Did somebody steal my bag and I didn't see them grab it? Did it not? Where is it? You know, all these things go through your mind and it teaches you, like I said, to not rely on it coming out because there's always that chance and it might not come out. Now, what about clothes? I want to talk about clothes a little bit. So when I was packing for this last trip I went on, that was a big thing for me. It was like, okay, I'm going to an environment that I've never been to before. I'm not sure. I mean, you can research weather patterns and all this stuff all day long, but until you get there, you don't know what it's going to be like. So I wanted to prepare for multiple situations, but then I didn't want to overpack and be that guy with you know three wardrobes come to learn on this trip veteran travelers like ralph velasco do what Sheev does right you you pack convertible clothing and clothing that you can wash and these kinds of things which is what i didn't do valerie what do you do like if you're going on a trip for let's say it's a three-week trip which is a long time do you pack for a couple of days and then just recycle your clothes you pack for a week or do you pack for the entire time um well, first of all, I pretty much only wear black, so uh, <laughs> makes it a little bit. I'm easier. no stranger to that, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really nice because women can wear scarves. So even if you wear black every day, it you know, and kind of recycle your clothes, you wear a different scarf color. Yeah. And I always tell my participants that um, just wear you know buy scarves in Paris because or in Rome wherever we are they're really cheap and then it looks like you're wearing different things even if you go to dinner you can dress up with scarves you know uh, but otherwise um, I always rent apartments and I always rent an apartment with a washing machine so oh, then yeah. I pack less because I know I'll be able to do the wash one evening and then the next morning it's dry if it doesn't even if I don't have a dryer so uh, that's for me that's a plus I hate having to run for laundromats so and yeah. since I never stay in hotels I only stay in apartments I always rent apartments with wash machines yeah yeah in in uh, in Vietnam we stayed in hotels for the most part and they all had either laundry services mm -hmm. or you know people that would come in and pick up the laundry and have it for you the next morning so I take advantage of that and it was you know, dirt cheap, you know, it was obscenely yeah. cheap to have laundry done. So I was like, I'm doing laundry all the time. Why <laughs> Cost nothing. Steve, what about you? I mean, do you, do you pack for a couple of days, a week, a month, if you're going on a long trip? Before I tell you about that, I just want to forewarn you. If you are going to Asia and you like having your stuff laundered, 
never give laundry in to be done the day before you're going to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good so, idea. It may, that's, yeah. It may not show up. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. But has you have you had that happen to you? It happened to me once, and I've I've sworn never to send laundry in the day before I'm leaving. Uh, yeah, even though they promise you it'll be back in your room, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh it's usually one of those cases when it won't show up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I would say I would probably extend that to earth because it's probably not just asia that that yeah, can happen yeah. it could happen anywhere yeah. but uh, no i i don't i don't you know overpack i mean i'll pack for you know four days even if it's a one-week trip or a two-week trip because you can always recycle but there there are some key things that i uh, always make sure that i have uh don't rely on just one pair of uh, shoes so, you, know, mm-hmm. you definitely want two pairs of shoes and what i found to be most convenient is uh, rain pants that are made for golfers. They're very light, very easy to slip on. And the last thing you want is, particularly in, in Asia, if you're going to be there, uh, you know, it can rain any afternoon and it can be pretty severe. So that you know, pair of rain pants in your camera bag or in the, one of the pouches works perfectly. As, and so does uh, you know, a, a rain sort of jacket with a hood. So both those literally roll up into you know, fist size you know, objects, and you can just keep it in your bag. So if there's something that I recommend you always carry, always have with you are those two things. Yeah. Yeah. I got hit with that. Actually, we were, we were riding bicycles through rice paddies Mm -hmm. in, in Vietnam. I think it was Hoi An, I think it was. And of course it's tropical there and it started raining and me, I had on vans, you know, these regular old vans, and which got soaked. They didn't get ruined, but they got soaked. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, had I actually had sense and thought about this, I yeah, would have, yeah. uh, you know, either bought some waterproof coverings for my shoes or had shoes that, that could have survived mm-hmm. being being wet. So, yeah, really, yeah. really good uh, tip. The shoes are definitely the most important. And it, yeah, never only, even if they're super comfortable shoes, you don't, I mean, like in, in big cities, you walk all day, and uh, and we wear city clothes. It's I think you that's one thing. And I just we just had a I just had a fun show with Martin Bailey about that um, where we called it um, wildlife versus street life, yeah. where we actually compare our gear and the clothing and everything, uh, and it was actually really fun. But that's I think that's one of the advantages of being a nature photographer because you can wear some sturdy hiking boots and you pretty much set uh whereas street photographers i mean we need to blend in we're not going to go there with hiking boots you know that would that would that would look a little funny uh in a in a city like paris or rome or new york so we wear city clothes and city shoes and try to find something that looks trendy that is comfortable enough to walk 15 miles a day Mm -hmm. uh that's really that's tough so um always have at least two pairs of good shoes. And that's why I spend, I spend more money on shoes than on photo gear, I swear, in a year, just because I spend a lot of money. I, I buy really, really good shoes because I need super comfortable, but nice looking shoes. And, um, and also always carry those, um, those, they like something you could put over a blister. That's like a, another skin basically. And always carry those for your heels and for your toes, because oh, yeah. that will save the day. You put that on right after you start having a little bit of friction in your shoe mm. and that will make your blister 
I mean, completely pain-free because there's nothing worse than being stuck with a really bad blister and you're walking all day and for an entire week. And that could happen on day one. And that could really ruin your trip. Ruin the trip. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of the female listeners that are, that are listening to you, Valerie, are like, okay, what kind of shoes? (laughs) You can't leave it like that. Which shoes? Well, I actually, I'll need to write a list because I buy a lot of, um, I buy some French shoes and a lot of European brands um, mm-hmm. because I like them and they're comfortable, but I usually always put kind of an insert like for more support mm-hmm. because that's the thing when you buy shoes that look cool. I mean, they're not, they're, they're always flat and they're always very comfortable, um, but they usually don't have as good support as a hiking shoe, for example. So I always put like a, an insert with more support just for comfort. Yeah, because yeah. that yeah. is just so so important, and it's you know never go on a trip with new shoes. You know, make sure they're well broken. And I mean that's common sense, but you know I'm always surprised how many people make that mistake. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean just I mean just this conversation so far has saved me probably ten pounds in my bag because it's like <laughs> I mean because like when I went on this trip, I'm like okay, I want to I don't want you know you're you're going to shoot right. Ultimately, that's your mission there, but you still want to. If you feel if you look feel like you look good, you're going to be more comfortable mentally, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring this shirt and bring that shirt. You know, what if we go out to dinner? So at night, so I need this shirt just in case. And you know, but as I, you know, proceeding through this conversation, I'm thinking, yeah, I could have just brought all black stuff. It would have been totally, <laughs> have been totally fine that I could have worn in multiple kind of configurations, and I could have brought maybe four sets of whatever, and no one would ever have known. You yeah. know. The scarf thing probably wouldn't have worked for that me, might, but I, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Although I did wear a scarf. I mean, it's almost mandatory in Southeast Asia, at least when we went that time of year, because you're just like you're. Just, I was. I don't believe yeah. there was a time that I was there that I wasn't moist. I mean, it's just <laughs> like you're constantly wet and wiping, and it, it's okay. But you're just like, oh, you know. So you have to have something to do that with. So I ended up getting a scarf um, at Ralph Velasco's suggestion. And it was like, of course, this should be yeah. like mandatory gear for everyone. Chief, what about you? What about what about shoes? Um, uh, you both are absolutely correct. I mean, two pairs of shoes and they both have to be extra comfortable. And, you know, Valerie is right. I mean, you, you have the extra support if you're going like to Africa or to Iceland or whatever it is. But they still have to be comfortable. I mean, they have to be very comfortable. You should be able to walk in them for, I don't know, 15 miles. I don't do that. But, uh, you know, as long as you're walking, you you don't want to feel the shoes. You want to just walk. And and I really like your suggestion of, you know, carrying those inserts because mm-hmm. uh, I, I haven't done that. Fortunately, I haven't had blisters, but next time you never know. So, you know, I'm going to sort of put those in. The the other thing that, you know, I what I do travel with and I tend to carry a few extras uh, is uh, depending upon where I'm going. If I'm going to Iceland, I always carry, uh, you know, hand warmers and foot warmers. Uh, you know, even though you may never need them, I've been, I've been on multiple trips where I haven't even slid open a pack, but they're there just in case, you know, it gets inordinately cold and you can pull those out and at least you're comfortable mm-hmm. because photography is the pits if you're physically uncomfortable. You have to be physically comfortable. So, you know, that's the other thing that goes in my bag, uh, depending upon where I'm going. 
But if you're doing cold weather, how do you, how do you manage? And that's that's a great tip in having having warmers in your back because if you it's better to to have them and not need them than than mm-hmm. to need them and not have them, especially right. if it's minimal weight addition to your overall pack. But what about manipulating your camera? Right. So mittens in, and gloves in cold. Yeah, yeah. And I have some of those that have I have some mittens that have the flip over tips so you can get your fingers in there. And I also mm-hmm. have some that have the capacitive touch fingertips in there. Do you guys do you guys use those? I, well, I not on my workshops because I go to I go to warmer places. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I go to cities. But but here, I mean, like we're getting 12 inches of snow. It's already in the teens. Now, finally have winter in Minnesota. So I just just to be out shooting in Minneapolis in the city, I have to, to think of that. So I wear thin gloves and then I put hand warmers and my mittens. So when I'm not using my camera, I, I don't have to remove the thinner gloves. I can use them for the, you know, for the dials and everything. But then in between, I put my hands back in my mittens. Um, and if it's really cold, then I have those little warming packs in there. So yeah. it kind of, it's like a little heater. And, uh, and as she's said, I mean, there's comfort is so important. And there's nothing worse than, yeah, having frozen fingers. If yeah. you're doing It'll make you miss yeah. shots, right? Cause you're like, uh, that's a good shot over there, but you know what? I'm going to skip it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that car. good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Valerie, yeah. you're making me not miss Chicago. I know Chicago just got hit today as we record this yeah. with more snow. And uh, California, it rained a little. So, yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> but it rained enough so I couldn't take my drone out. So sad. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with FreshBooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. 
Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. So, Valerie, you mentioned uh, Airbnb or or renting apartments. And when I went to Paris um, for your workshop, I, there, I stayed in the Airbnb. Any any tips you can give people about using that service? It seems it seems great. It works fine, but I'm sure there's some hacks. That, um, that I've I've only had one bad experience, and I've used Airbnbs probably oh I would say fifty or sixty different places, and wow. and and I never rent the same place because I like to. Uh, explore. Um, even in the same city, I'll always change in the same neighborhood, but I'll always try a different place. Um, and I've used them from Iceland to Australia, to Rome, Paris, the UK. I mean, you name it. We, I've been to so many different countries. I've, I've only been disappointed once in New York. Um, but um, that said, read. it's all about reading the, the feedback from other people. So mm-hmm. try not to go with somebody brand new at it because <laughs> well i mean they have to start somewhere you know yeah. and don't just let them practice be- on you <laughs> yeah that happened to me once and that was a bad experience but uh if they have four to five star rating consistently and they have dozens and dozens of reviews um yeah you can't go wrong and for the, uh, for the folks that may not have heard of airbnb you know there's a significant amount of people that don't know about it just give us an overview what is it what does it give you over just going to a hotel it's uh, well, you pretty much live like a local. So you either rent a room at somebody's apartment or you rent an entire apartment. I've only rented the room at people in people's homes twice. Otherwise, I usually rent a, a one bedroom or a studio just for me. And so you have the key. It's your place. You know, you have your kitchen. You you go to the local store. They give you suggestions of restaurants. It's, it is your home. So often there are places that are only being rented um, out. Other times there are people that actually live in them and just vacate them for the time that you're going to need them. And they go and stay at friends or, or at relatives for the weekend or the week. So that's kind of a way of, for them to make extra money. I prefer the ones that are only for rent, renting because then you're not in people's, you know, you don't have their clothes in the closet and things like that, yeah, which can be yeah. a little strange, but yeah. Um, I've, I've done both and it's just been great. I and just, you've had, you haven't had any, cause my, my concern would be like, is it clean? I know a hotel, mm-hmm. you know, it, cleanliness is a fallacy overall, but still, you know, staying in a place that's not a hotel without a maid service or anything like that, I'd be concerned with, is it going to be clean? What about these sheets? Who's been on these sheets before <laughs> me? You know, like, again, <laughs> you know, you have to read the reviews of people who stayed there before you and yeah. with Airbnb, they're reliable. I mean, you are rated as a rent as well as you you rate the person who is renting to you so mm-hmm. uh it's it's in your best i mean you have to give a rating and so uh if the cleanliness is the one that only has three stars i'm not gonna go there yeah. so um yeah. but i've never no i've never had problems it's always Shiv, what, what about you have you had uh, any experience with Air, airbnb um Kind of, only on my scouting trips. Uh, when I'm taking you know, clients or do actually doing a workshop, I want to be with them. And sometimes, you know, if you think about this, you may be in one building and two people in another building and you know, 
So that, that becomes a little inconvenient, uh, particularly from their point of view. So when I'm on a, out on a scouting trip, yes, I will do that because it's, it's a lot of fun. And what's important is when you are on a scouting trip, you do one of those, the locals that you're staying with will give you some great tips. They'll tell you all about what's going on in the city, what's going on where you are, what to look for. Um, you know, you, Where to stay away from. Yeah, right? what to stay away from. But more importantly is, you know, if you tell them that this is what you're trying to do and you're going to be bringing a group of people, they'll actually help you find other locations that you may have completely missed in the first place. So it's it's a very convenient way of identifying uh, you know where to go, where not to go, and and also it's 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 a great experience to mingle with the locals. Love it, love it. Yeah, it's a sure. great great discussion. You know, and uh, and cost wise, both of you guys, cost wise, Airbnb versus you know, say a three four star hotel. It's a lot um, cheaper. It's cheaper on the. Oh air- yeah, I mean, like for Paris, for example, my clients have the the choice of full accommodation or tuition only so they can they can stay at the hotel but you know it's a 300 euro a night hotel i mean it's a it's the parisian experience whereas um they can choose to just pay for the tuition and stay in cheaper hotels or at airbnb so Mm -hmm. i like to give that option uh i I didn't give that option before but uh then it becomes more affordable for a lot of people that way um and so um so yeah it's at least half the price if not a a third yeah, love yeah. it, love it. Definitely something worth considering. Um, and yeah, like I said, I stayed in the Airbnb when I was there, and I did feel like a local. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like, hey, this is my place. I live over there. Downstairs was was a, what was that? A bistro or a bakery or something? Oh yeah, yeah. You were in uh, Cafe Corner. <laughs> yeah, it was like Cafe Corner. I walked down and have coffee and get my little croissant. And you were out. right across the street from uh, Hemingway's apartment. Remember? Right, right there. Yeah, it was like one block over. So I was. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was living it. Loved it. All right, guys, I want to I want to transition a little bit the discussion into um, I'm going to talk about. I don't want to dive too much into gear, but I want to talk about what you take with you on these trips. And I want to start with the bag itself because that's as I've learned over the several trips over 2015 that your what you carry on the plane affects everything else, right? So because you got to get your computer, your tablet, if you're bringing one of those with you, all your camera, your charger, your lenses. You got to get everything and you got to carry it with you and you got to be kind of comfortable, you know, with Valerie, with, like, what do you bring with you? You don't have that much gear because you're shooting Fuji, right? But yeah. what, do you, so, what do you bring with you? Uh, usually I bring a backup camera. So for the trip there, uh, well, both cameras will fit in the smallest think tank retrospective five. And I still have room for other stuff. So uh, that's that's it. And then when I'm on location, I switch to an even smaller bag because the camera is in my hand and the bag is empty or I'll just put my umbrella in there and, and stuff. So and I, it's a fixed lens, so you don't have to worry about lenses. I, exactly. Or I don't stuff, bring yeah. extra lens or anything. So uh, right now, my favorite bag is the Ona Bowery bag. And uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, it's leather and... Um, oh, look at that. That's cool. Um, it's... Um, um, what do you call it? Oiled canvas where it's waterproof because it's oiled. Is that how you call it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's very, very rugged and it doesn't look like a camera bag. It just looks like a cool, very small messenger bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I carry. But as I said, the camera is 
really never in it unless it starts to downpour or something. So interesting. And, and then interesting. Now pull out the this umbrella. Is- Keep this shooting. is a good this is a great good discussion because on the one hand, Valerie, you're minimalist, right? You got one camera, you want to be low-key shooting. But Shiv on the other side, you're doing time lapses and uh yeah. I, I know you're you're shooting mirrorless now, or you're not if you uh, transition to mirrorless? Yeah, completely yeah. mirrorless. But you're interchangeable lenses, so you probably have more mm-hmm. than one lens with you. You have a more substantial bag, right? Not really. I mean, you know, Valerie has a retrospective five. I carry a retrospective seven. And it's amazing if you do it right. I carry from, you know, seven millimeters, which on the micro four thirds is a 14 millimeter lens. Uh, so one, you know, seven to, you know, 14, one 12 to 35 and one 35 to 100. So mm-hmm. I have between 14 and 200 millimeters sitting in my bag with one body. Yeah. And then what I do is my second back or my backup body, I put around my neck and put, you know, a 15 millimeter lens on that. And so that gives me my time-lapse work because I need manual aperture. So there's one body with that lens and the bag carries the rest. Now, as long as you have the same batteries that are interchangeable, one charger, four batteries, because the batteries do, you know, get consumed fairly quickly, particularly in the cold. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the tripod's actually in, in the carry-on, so no big deal. And now with this platypus, you can just stick it on the side, hang it from the bag, and nobody bothers you. They kind of wonder what's dangling, but that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's really back down to a very small, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love that owner bag that Valerie talked about. But, you know, the, the retrospective is just you know, about a foot and a bit, so... Yeah. 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 I love that. That's, that's one of the, the cool things about having smaller gear is mm-hmm. everything else gets smaller around it. And the, the thing for me is I, I shoot with the, um, that peak design everyday messenger bag. And I brought that with me around, uh, Vietnam. It performed great. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to record a video. There are some, there's some, some little refinements that could be made, but overall it, the thing rocked the entire trip. And the main reason why was because like you guys are like both of you, I'm shooting mirrorless. So my stuff is smaller. I brought two lenses, three lenses with me, but ended up only using two of those lenses. So mm-hmm. I could have lightened it even further. But in the bag, as we were popping from city to city, because there was multiple flights in country on the flights, I would have my all my important stuff in the bag. So I'd have my my uh, MacBook Pro 13 inch, my iPad mini, my cameras, I had two cameras, you know, primary and a backup, and all that stuff would be in the bag along with my passport and travel documents and money and all that stuff would be in the bag with me. And it, I mean, it looks like, I mean, it kind of looks like a camera bag, but it really does look like a messenger bag. So I felt secure with it. And and the cool thing about that bag is it has multiple carrying modes. So obviously it's got a handle on it, but it also had a mode that I didn't think I would ever use. And that's, you kind of cinch it up really tight to your body and the bag comes up and kind of becomes kind of like a backpack and you put a waist cinch on there. So it, it, it's secured to your waist as well as over your, across your shoulder. And in that config, I felt like I could run marathons because it's just there and everything's tight on me and I could get stuff done or convert it to a side bag and pull my stuff out quickly. So it's so, not flopping around. No, no, not yeah. flopping around at all until I want yeah. it to flop around, which is which is kind of the point. So it, it worked out worked out really well for me. I love the you know, so far it's it's the the bag that I would use all the time. 
Now, the caveat to that is I have a drone now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now Eric Chang, my friend Eric Chang, formerly of DJI, uh, recommended the Think Tank um, Airport Helipack, I believe yes. is the name of the bag, which I've heard rave reviews. Uh, you know, Brian, one of the one of the guys that comes on the show from time to time, uh, was he he recorded a video. We'll link to it in the show notes. But he was sort of raving about how this is the perfect bag for the drone. So now, if I when I go back to Vietnam and I want to bring a drone with me, it will likely be that pack. You know, or I'll may have to figure out a way to bring both of them so that when I'm doing nighttime street photography, I have this bag. But if we're out in the middle of nowhere and I want to get some aerials, I still have a bag that I can put all my all my camera gear in, as well as the aerial gear and all that stuff. So it's really it's in, it's interesting how it all works together. The the interesting thing is that if you are uh, traveling by air, I mean, all airlines allow you to carry two bags. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if your second bag is small and can go in the seat in front of you, they're not going to object to the, you know, slightly larger, you know, sort of rollerboard type of bag, which you can put up in the uh, in the hold. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, you know, planning on what it is that you want to do, and then you pack accordingly. So, yeah. Well, the, the last question on here before we move on to story number two, Jesus, already... We're already 40 minutes into the show. Um, the last question is about security of your bag. So your your checked bag in particular. So what I do when I check my my larger piece of luggage, if, if it's that kind of trip, is I have zip ties. And I'll just zip tie clothes, meaning TSA, if they need to get into it, they can snip it and get in and it's good. But it serves as a deterrent for somebody. They just can't zip it open real quick and ruffle through it and steal stuff if there's stuff in there to steal. So I do that. There's also the TSA locks that you can purchase. Do you guys do you guys lock your bags when you when you uh, check in? Yeah, I, I use the TSA locks, and I've had I mean I've probably had about ten times that my bags have been opened. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have to cut the locks; they just open it. They leave a little slip in there saying this bag was opened, you know, for your security and the security of your fellow passengers. Blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. you know. It's something that's it's good because it deters a non-TSA person from trying to open your bag. Yeah. Um, a zip tie, you know, a pen knife will cut it. I mean, that's all. So they yeah. don't need any tools to do that with. It's a placebo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valerie, what about you? Do you lock your stuff up? Uh, no, but I use those um, little twisty things, you know, like when you buy some, like uh, any electronics, you know, how mm-hmm. the cord is always... Uh, yeah, it's a twist. Uh, a twist tie, tie, yeah. tie wraps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or those tie little wrap, yeah. metal, like for bread, even you know they mm-hmm. did, anyway for the bread bag or whatever. So I save those and I use that and I I twist it like around several times and it's really tight. The advantage I can remove it myself. I don't have mm-hmm. to cut it. Yeah. Uh, but it would be really really annoying for anybody to just untwist. <laughs> and I have a Security feeling would, through annoyance. They I would love probably it. give up on it. <laughs> Yeah, for my zip ties, I zip tie them, but I always keep a pair of uh, fingernail clippers or toenail clippers, whatever, yeah. in an outside pocket. Yeah, you need so, that. Yeah. yeah, so I just grab the toenail clippers, clip them, and I'm I'm good to go. If yeah. if TSI TSA hasn't found the need to uh, to open it, yeah, but if you if you if you're doing multiple flights, then you better carry some a whole bunch of extra ties with you. Yeah, yeah, and I I you know I bought a group of them from uh, this is what the Home Depot, mm-hmm. and they had like this this can of them like with 
a million <laughs> for like two dollars. So I, just, you know, I just keep yeah. twenty or thirty of them in the front pocket of my bag, and then I just put them on right. whenever they weigh nothing and they take no space. Um, okay, so the last question on this about what is it? Maybe five, six years ago, Alex Lindsay was on the show, and we were having a similar conversation about you know hacks because he's he's the uber traveler you know i think he may spend 10 minutes at home through you know throughout the year um and one of the things that he said i don't know if he's ever done this but he mentioned that this was a possibility i'd be i'd be eager to know if any of the twip listeners have tried this but he said if you keep a unloaded weapon of any kind in your registered obviously in your luggage and of course there's paperwork that you got to fill out but then once you give that to the airline they have to treat it as some kind of special uber you know golden magical piece of luggage that will absolutely positively make it to its destination and will not be tampered with do you guys what do you you know, <laughs> Valerie you're shaking your head what do you I think that's the last thing i would do today <laughs> yeah it, this was 6 years ago mind you before <laughs> you know Everyone was armed. So, no. no, do not try at home. Do not try this at home. I have talk with Alex about yeah. this one. Don't, don't do it. Chief, what about you? Is this, uh, is this an option? No. No. <laughs> no. He's like, no. no. Al- no. Alex, Alex can do it uh, and he'll be fine. But uh, yeah. you know. I think the impetus behind Eric, or Alex's recommendation was a lot of times they have to check expensive gear. So you can't, like, yeah. he, he does these events where you got to carry all kinds of crazy stuff that's impossible, obviously, to check in. So in order for the whole group of luggage to make it to its destination, you put this thing in one of the bags. Now the whole group of luggage is now treated with kid gloves. So yeah. Or blown up. You know? <laughs> or, yeah. or just, yeah, or, you know, you get detained. <laughs> Questioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what? for the average TWIP <laughs> listener, probably the advice would be not no. to do that. No. Right. Don't do that, right. yeah. But on that, just just I know we were forty minutes into this, but if yeah. you are a workshop leader or you know taking a tour, make sure that if people are all traveling together, that you get their bags numbered, and then you mm-hmm. tell the airline, you know, we have twenty four bags, and we'd like them to be you know packed in the same hold in the same container Uh-oh. and brought out. And usually that works because, you know, they, they know that there's X number of bags all belong to the same group and they all come out together. So you get an opportunity to take them off the carousel at the same time and walk away. And it's it's usually a good thing. Now, Shiv, you know, this this show, I think we may just end up jumping straight to the listener questions and picks after this because <laughs> we're, we're out of time. Well, we'll save, we'll save the other two stories for other shows. Uh, but because this is this is a really good conversation. You mean we're not going to do anorexia? We're not going to talk. Yeah, we'll we'll how about we'll foreshadow and tease that we're going to talk about France ban- banning too thin fashion models for the next twip. So, I mean, I know Valerie, you were you were itching to talk about that. <laughs> You're I like, feel no. so concerned. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't care. Um, but okay, so. One of the things that I saw, and both of you guys, obviously, again, travel internationally. One of the things that I saw that was really interesting, I don't think I'd seen this before, um, but at one of the airports in Vietnam, they had this service where they were shrink wrapping luggage with these large sheets of plastic. And you'd wrap it like five times after it went through security, obviously. So it goes to security, then you'd wrap it so that, I guess, part of Valerie's annoyance strategy. It'd be really hard for someone to get into your luggage. It's Have you before seen that? Secu- it's before security. 
It's before security. It's before How can check-in. it be before security? Well, it goes through the. It still goes through X-ray. the scanner. Yeah. But if they have to get it's well, in the then, United States, it seems like that'd be really annoying for TSA to go into your bag to leave their little their little be. I've been here card, right? So you, I mean, yeah, it, I mean it's 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 a very uh, Asian thing. I mean, it's done in Is India, it? it's done all yeah. over the place, and they do wrap it. You pay to have it wrapped, and they yeah. wrap it yeah, before it goes into the scanner. I guess if they find something, they'll they'll, they'll you know cut it open and just get into the bag but yeah it's a deterrent but more i think it's more for uh the safety of the bag uh you know not to have it scratched up and stuff like that so you know there, there are many reasons for it but in reality if somebody wants to get into your bag they will they, they're gonna just get like anybody can yeah. get into your house it doesn't right. matter right. what you do right. yeah, yeah if they want to get yeah. your stuff they're going to get your stuff yeah, yeah. just don't end, leave can, anything yeah. valuable in it i mean that's, yeah just makes sense yeah yeah you just uh, you know, we joke about the making it annoying to do things, but that's basically security, right? Yeah. If they want to get your stuff, they're going to get it. You're put just your dirty up, laundry on top. You put your dirty, yeah, or yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. The last day, yeah, last day of the trip, right? Don't wash anything. Put everything on top. <laughs> Say if you want, if you want to go through my stuff, you're going to have to go through my stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, this is this is good, guys. Any any parting thoughts on well, on travel tips, Valerie? I just, you know, I just think that people overpack their and photographers overpack their gear. They're just. I'm sure you overpack, Frederick. How many things did you actually not use that you A wish lot. you had left? Mm-hmm. I probably used maybe thirty to forty percent of the stuff that I brought. And did you regret not bringing anything? <laughs> No. Probably not since you already, you had the kitchen sink with it. No, I mean, I regretted not bringing waterproof shoes. So if I had <laughs> packed correctly, or like she was saying, um, you know, undergarments, I would say underwear, but he's proper. So <laughs> undergarments that I could have washed myself, I would have loved that because that would have saved me literally some laundry time because mm-hmm. I was doing that was the main reason I was doing laundry all the time was for that. So and I, and I think that um even if you get to the location and you're like, oh, I wish I had my, I don't know, my 200 millimeter lens or whatever, just just don't even think of it. Uh, just don't have regrets. Just move on past that. Just live with what you have and and make it work. I think you can actually grow and and do better work with some limitations anyway. So it's just it's silly to say, oh, I just wish I had that or I wish I had that. It's just mm-hmm. just move on because that ha- that will happen. Learn to zoom with your feet, right? What? <laughs> Learn to zoom yeah, with your exactly. feet. Exactly. On on any trip, you know, the the day that my my students do their best work is the day they only put a prime lens on their camera and go out for the day. And I mean, it never fails. That's always the day they do their best work. So yeah. if they had only that lens, that's all they'd need, really. I mean, I'm talking street photography, but that's very true. That's very true. Because Shiv, you're shooting. Are you you're shooting Lumix, right? So yeah. one of the one of the I brought the two main lenses that that I was using on this trip. I was shooting with the GX8, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the 14 to 140. That was my like walk around all day long until the light got too low lens. And then at night, I was using the 15 millimeter f1.7, mm-hmm. which is Exquisite a magical lens. Yeah. a yeah. magical yeah. lens i love that lens um so those those are my two lenses and i could have i brought that 7 to 14 i brought a you know uh, a fisheye lens with me i recorded a video showing what i brought with me 
but I ended up literally not using any of that other stuff, just those two lenses the entire time. That's all I use. And, and in the environment that you were too, I mean, it's not like you can change lens in a super humid environment all right. the time. I mean, you, you, you're better off, you know, sticking with one lens, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you don't want to have to clean your sensor while you're traveling or anything like that. I mean, you can't right. clean, you can't bring the cleaning stuff with you on the plane anyways. So yeah. um, it's, you, you're better off not changing lenses too often. Love it. Shiv, any, any, any parting thoughts? Yeah, just one, one, uh, one parting thought is we all have lots of these Allen wrenches that we carry mm -hmm. for tripods, for camera plates, etc. Just don't put them in your regular hand luggage. Just put oh. them in because there are some countries where they're actually banned and they will give you the hardest time they can just because you have one of those Allen wrenches in something that you're carrying on the plane with you. So just don't do that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I got I got tagged in security in uh, inside of Vietnam, one of the one of the hops in there for having those little tiny scissors, mm -hmm. you know, the ones you use to trim your mustache, mm -hmm. you know, which you, Valerie, you may not know about these, but Shiva, you know yes. about these. <laughs> so, it's a very important piece of kit. <laughs> you need those, right? Yes, you need absolutely. those. Yeah, so they they saw those the first time they saw them. The, the TSA lady looked at me. It was she said, "We are there scissors in your bag?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're in my in my uh, my toiletry kit." So she pulls them out and she looks at me and she throws them back in there and just waves me on. Mm -hmm. And then I, from that point forward, I was saying, "You know what? Let me take those out and put them in my check bag yeah, yeah. Uh, for the next flight." And then I forgot and left them in there. Next flight, another person saw them and confiscated them. So. Yep. <laughs> it's actually quite reassuring that they saw them. They did yeah, both yeah. times they saw them, yeah, you know, and good. they're like, they're literally like, you know, maybe two, three inches long at max. Yeah. yeah so they found them through all my stuff. They found those scissors and said, yep, let's get those out of there. All right. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to answer a listener question. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. And courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's lynda.com slash twip.
All right, guys, we are back. It is time for some listener Q&A. This week's question is from Roel Boesson. And Roel says, my question is related to photographing people indoors or in other low light situations using available light. I don't want to use a flash as I like the mood that ambient light provides. This means I'm limited to using ISO, aperture, and shutter speed to get the right exposure and to freeze motion. I'm an amateur photographer using a Nikon D90 in combination with the following lenses, a Nikon uh, the AFS DX 16 to 85, F35 to 56, uh, a 70 to 300, F45 to 56, and a 35 millimeter F18. So he says he's come up with several solutions and would like to get some advice um, or feedback on these. He wants to know should he keep the D90 and invest in better or faster glass? Uh, should he invest in a more modern APS-C? Uh, Nikon body like the D7200? Should he switch to full frame like the D610? Or should he switch to a mirrorless system like the Fuji X-T10? So these are good questions. And it's sort of, Shiv, I want to throw this at you first. So you you recently, uh, you know, relatively speaking, recently switched from DSLRs to mirrorless. And looking at his lens setup, which is impressive, but most of the lenses aside from that 35 millimeter are relatively slow lenses right and if you want to shoot indoors with a slow slow lens the laws of physics are working against you what, what do you think well i mean the first question that i didn't get from his uh, dissertation is what does he like to shoot i know he likes yeah. to shoot indoors but what is it that he's shooting i mean if you're in people a situation indoors. people indoors yes but are they in sports indoors are they in a restaurant type of scene in a bar scene uh, you know, discotheques, what is it that he's really shooting? But mm-hmm. assuming it's not sports, right? Because then he's got a whole different set of problems. But let's yeah. assume he's in a restaurant. He likes shooting that kind of light. Uh, the 1.8 he has is not a bad lens. Unfortunately, the camera uh, is an older Nikon and doesn't have the ISO sort of sensitivity that he might need to get a better image. So, you know, without spending too much money, a 35 millimeter lens on an APS-C body is not a bad lens. I mean, it's close to 50 it's, uh, and it's, it's a 1.8. So, you know, you've got enough light gathering capability. So if he doesn't want to do too much else, maybe the D7200 is a good option for him. But knowing where we're all going over time, I would say if you want to invest something, go get yourself a mirrorless camera. Yeah. And and one good lens to go with it, because any of the new mirrorless cameras have beautiful ISO capability yeah. and they the fast lenses are not expensive mm-hmm. and he can still use all his Nikon lenses with a fairly cheap adapter uh, to get any of the range shots that he wants to do. And you hit it right on the head. The subject, what he's shooting is is the critical missing variable in this equation, right? Because if he's if he's shooting static indoor people that are kind of, I mean, he says he's shooting people indoor, but if he's shooting like landscape, or not landscape, but architectural photography where you have control over the models indoor mm-hmm. and you can say, okay, you guys are going to sit there and just hold still for, for 10 seconds. Yeah. You can throw your camera on a tripod and have full control over the environment. Um, but if you're shooting ballerinas indoors, you probably want to invest in something with a higher ISO, like a like a Sony A7S or something that can see in the dark that will give you that full latitude. Or and even if you don't need that kind of magical ISO, you can get 
one of the cameras that we all use, which are awesome, like a Fuji, Panasonic, Olympus, one of these yeah. guys that are that do fantastic in low light. Um, but obviously not as good as that Sony A7S because it's it's in a league all its yeah. own. Valerie, what what do you say to this? Well, I mean, yeah, I've, I shoot in I shoot in the dark <laughs> indoors <laughs> or at night outside people all the time, and and um, motion blur is wonderful in street photography. So I don't really worry yeah. about freezing motion. You know, if it's if I'm at sixty four ISO and and you know people are moving and it's really really dark well i'm not going to freeze motion with pretty much anything so that's just the way it is and i'm not going to worry about it because that's that's street photography um but yeah i would definitely pick a no matter what i would pick a prime a fast prime you know Mm -hmm. like the one he has the 35 1.8 that's pretty decent i would imagine um yeah I shoot with a 1.4 or 1.8 most of the time. Um, or or if I'm shooting with my X100T, which is my most, uh, this is the camera that I use the most, that's a 2.0 and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Well, uh, Royal, I hope this kind of answered your question. I think that if you can write back to us and let us know what yeah. precisely the subject matter is that you're trying to capture and freeze the motion, we might be able to help a little more, but uh, yeah, really, really good advice from the panel here. Uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to answer in the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find a submit a question link. You can send us a question or even leave us a voice message. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week segment. Remember, you can pick anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Shiv, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? My pick is an absolutely awesome product, which has been my primary light source for this uh, podcast today. Oh, um, it's the Rotolite Neo, and it's about eight inches. I'm going to have to switch things around, but it's about yay big, and it's an LED based light. There, there you go. Um, absolutely phenomenal. You can take it out with six AA batteries that last you three hours on full power, about five hours on mid power. Uh, it's got controls for both brightness as well as for temperature. So, you know, I can sort of do literally anything. But what's really interesting about it is if you are into any kind of video, which I'm now getting into, uh, don't do too much of it, uh, you can create all these various uh, scenarios with it. Like if you want, you know, to simulate lightning, it'll do it. If you want to simulate uh, a stroboscopic effect it'll do oh. that you want to do fade ins and fade outs it'll it'll do those for you right. so it's 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 absolutely incredible and what they've just come out with are some you know incremental attachments apart from the filters uh, you now have bandos you can actually you know really control the direction of light the bag's great you can hook it onto your belt and uh, you know it's a light light which works with AC, DC, and uh, six AA batteries. Wow, this is really cool. It's four hundred bucks, huh? Four hundred bucks, and it's the only light source I've used for the entire podcast. Now, this is okay. Is uh, I'm trying to see. This is a nine watt power draw, so it's not battery operated, or is it? Is it battery operated? It can. It's uh, six AA batteries, and go into it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the case Very that cool. you just showed, you know, has those little. Uh, slots in front so you can actually put six uh, extra batteries in the front and that'll give you six hours of full power 
And the light looks great on you. Yeah. And how how big is it? I can't really tell from the photos. You said it's about six inches in di- diameter. Well, um, yeah, actually less than six inches. Let me let me put the other light on and take this one off. So here it is. Okay. Okay. Right. So it's it's small, and the nice thing plate. is it can it can mount on your the hot shoe of your camera. Mm-hmm. And so you can use it as a hot shoe base camera, or you can just hold it, uh, put it on a boom pole, and you know, sort of maneuver it wherever you want. It's it's just incredible. And just for reference point, change the temperature. Now it's okay. nice and warm. Yep. And you know, change the brightness. Look so at that. it's it's, they're it's all really, LEDs. So that, they're that, all LEDs. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's going to last for a while. And from the way that you're throwing that thing around, it looks pretty durable and light too. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, you know, you can carry it around. If it gets bumped, it's not really going to hurt it too much. It's yeah. It's 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 a plastic. It's molded plastic, but it's uh, fairly strong. I mean, I, I wouldn't hesitate to use it in uh, in the field. Very cool. All right, the Rotolite Neo on camera LED lights, four hundred bucks. And B and H has it in stock now, available to ship tomorrow. Ah. <laughs> um, Get it by the end. This whole world of, of overnight shipping is killing me, man. It's killing yes. my bank account. Love it. All right, Shiv, thanks for that. That's a perfect pick. Get it now. <laughs> get it now before I get it. Yeah. Valerie, what about you? What's your pick of the week? Uh it's the Fuji white wide conversion lens for the X one hundred. So for people who are watching this, okay, this is the X one. Hundred T, yep. Without with its with its original lens, which you can't remove. It's a twenty three millimeter yep. lens, and this is the camera with the wide extension. So it it's a diff- It makes a difference. It screws to the front of it. Yeah. And oh, so oh, so it gives you multiple lens capability. Well, now. I have a telly also that I haven't used yet, but okay. um, I wasn't. I wasn't quite interested. I wasn't really interested in it um, originally because I just love this camera. I don't need anything else but a 23 millimeter, which is a 35 equivalent. This gives me um, this would be like a 19 millimeter then. And um, the the thing is, you don't lose any sharpness at all, which completely blew me away. There is absolutely no distortion. It is amazing. I I never thought that something you put in front of your lens could be as good of quality as a a fine prime lens. Yeah, that would be my concern. You put something on there and it it just it seems like it would degrade and get softer. No, not at all. And everybody was, you know, raving about it. And uh, a lot of street photographers use it. They don't ever take it off (laughs) their X100 cameras. Um, And it's it's phenomenal. I still prefer the camera without it just because it's that much smaller and more inconspicuous, but, um, but it's great. I mean, if you want to shoot wider, if you want to include more, um, you know, cityscape in your, during your day of shooting, you know, just throw it in your bag. You just screw it on in front of the lens. I mean, you're not going to get dust on your sensors because you're not removing anything. It's just perfect. Right. It's really great. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's sturdy and, um, it matches the camera. So. And that's important when and, uh, you're, when you're walking too, around Paris with I your mean, camera. I you need to look yeah. good. <laughs> it's not how good you are. It's how good you look. You know that. <laughs> it's, it's better to look good than to feel good. <laughs> and uh, right now, I think on Amazon, it's like, it's uh, 
40 bucks or 50 bucks. Yeah, I had um, it up there, yeah. And it was, yeah. normally it's like $3.99 list price, but it's quite a bit cheaper at the moment. And it's it's worth every dollar. I mean, really, it's it's quite amazing. And that says a lot coming from you, because I know you're you're the consummate minimalist when it comes to your <laughs> photography. Yeah. So you for you to add something to your kit, it better be I like know. beyond yeah. good. <laughs> so. And there's no image quality laws. I want to see some of the shots that you shot with that thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually I posted somewhere. People said, "Oh, did you did you um, do some distortion correction?" I said, "Absolutely not." I mean, I I, I did, uh, and I picked uh, an in, uh, inside of a building with columns, and I did a silhouette of somebody coming in. The columns are straight, and that was straight out of the camera. Wow. And uh, whereas there is a little bit of distortion without it with the 23 millimeter. So but it actually that, corrects for the distortion. It becomes <laughs> no, that, more of a, I don't get it. It's pure magic. I don't know how that works, but so, so what's, what's that term called Shiv? Is that, is that rectilinear? Yeah. It, it creates a rectilinear version of your wide angle lens, which gives you that non bowed yeah. or right. convex because, concave fisheye. Yeah. Thing. I was already very impressed with the, um, I have from the X-T1, I have the 16 millimeter lens, which is a big lens. So I don't use it very often. Um, it's quite heavy. It's a 1.4. It's a beautiful piece of glass. Um, mm. And same, there is absolutely no distortion, but that's a, that's a very expensive, you know, prime lens. Yeah. Uh, but this is something you put in front of your camera and it, I don't see the difference. Yeah, so crazy. Quick, quick question for you, Valerie. I mean, you, you shoot a lot of people. Uh, yep. When when you do, a, I, I don't want to call it a close up, but if you want to do like a, a headshot, mm -hmm. uh, do you get the wide angle distortion? No. With this no, lens? I, I shoot, if I do a street portrait, which I, I still do occasionally, uh, I will shoot with the 23, which is a 35 equivalent. Yeah, okay. But um, actually, um, um, one of my guests um, who was on um, who shoots wedding photography, documentary style wedding photography, one of the best, uh, in my opinion, is in the UK. He shoots Fuji and he has that tele, that white conversion lens on his camera all the time. That's hmm. his that's the 100 X100T with the white conversion lens. And um, and that's what really pushed me to try it, because I just love his work and it's people. Yeah, 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 and Great. it's really just cool. beautiful. So, so many toys, <laughs> so many toys. So before we before we clean or, or switch off of this, speaking of additional lenses, like I said earlier, you made the switch a while back to mm -hmm. go from the DSLRs into mirrorless. What does your lens lineup look like? Have you kept it minimalist, or have you been going crazy no, with adding uh, lenses? Yeah, it's 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 not a good scene. It's. it's <laughs> <laughs> It's but, a massacre. <laughs> but, but, you know, while we're on that subject, there is, uh, you know, we all have this photographer's lust. Yeah. Yeah. I have this photographer's lust right now for a lens that's not available, but it's oh, coming which, out. Which lens? Which so lens? I'm, I, my PE bank gets a few coins in it every day, every day. And it's yeah. the, the, the new 100, 400 that Lumix is coming out with. Yeah. So yes. yes. I just got to have it. Just got to yeah. have it. <laughs> What's the speed of that thing, you know? Um, I I believe it's going to be, what, a 3.5? Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't know oh. if it's going to be three five all the way through. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but I may have. And then we get to the next topic of where are you going next? I'm going 
somewhere where I may have an opportunity to actually use this lens. Oh, I want to hear yes. about that. We, I guess we should wrap up the show. Then. <laughs> so, uh, well, before we do that, my pick of the week, as I kind of foreshadowed at the beginning, is this, um, I just picked up the DJI Phantom 3 Professional uh, drone, um, or UAV or UAS, depending on how politically correct you want to be. It's a drone. So this thing, I'm making it my pick. I actually flew it for the first time a couple of days ago, and I, I posted it on, on Instagram, my first flight with it. Um, but it's it's hard to explain. I understand now intrinsically the insanity around why people, photographers, like <laughs> shooting with this thing. So both of you, I don't know if you've flown these drones before, but the thing that got me, and I, I actually talked to Eric Chang, formerly of DJI, about this before, and he was telling me that these things are so stable in the air that you can do a up to an eight second exposure with this. It's that stable hovering in the air with wind, you know, light wind, albeit blowing on it. You can do an eight second exposure. So I did some research. I looked around to see what people have done. And sure enough, there's shots from the air of a seashore with blurry waves and people have put it in neutral density filter on these things. So it, it, it kind of changes your perception. I found myself since I, I've only had it for a couple of days now, I found myself just sort of thinking like, okay, what kind of shots can I do now? I want to go to the Golden Gate Bridge and do a shot of land from mid-bridge, or I want to do a shot of this or that. So it just kind of, it kind of becomes this giant, this giant tripod in the sky that you have available to you. And it's, you know, the camera itself is a 12 megapixel camera. I think they use the same sensor that's in the GoPro, but they use a rectilinear lens on it. So mm -hmm. it's it's not, it doesn't bow or distort. Plus it's a 4K camera in there that you can shoot and do that video. They, they've, this is the one that they've got their own camera on it now. Yes, yes. Yeah. This is their own camera. Yeah. So, so have, you paid, have you paid your Uncle Sam registration fees for this? I did. I did. Uh, I'm, you know, I was a good, a good drone owner and I sat down and went to the site. This is like between right after we recorded the last show, which was about drone registration. So, you know, and literally the process to register this thing, it, it was it took me 10 minutes. 10 minutes and it's free up until I believe it's January 21st. You pay $5 through PayPal or something. They give you your license number, your FAA number. And then at the end of that, at the end of January, they rebate it. They'll put it back on your credit card or whatever you paid. They'll put it back on there. So essentially it's free. The penalties <laughs> are, are steep. So you have to listen to that episode to hear the penalties. Essentially thousands of dollars and jail time if something happens like you hurt somebody with it and it's not registered you can go to jail now um or at least after january i'm sure there's a little grace period but uh if you pay it then you're safe you know so i paid it you have to write your your faa number on the drone which i, I have a little label maker so i stuck it on there along with my phone number and email address in case it just drops. in case it gets lost in case it gets lost. Why not? You know, if it's got to have the FAA thing on there anyway, why not? So, you know, I put that on there and, uh, you know, I feel like I'm safe when I'm flying and I'm in compliance. I didn't want to be one of the first people to go to jail or <laughs> for, for, for unauthorized drone flights in the United yeah. States of America. So, yeah, so I did that. That's my first pick. The second pick is while I was gone uh, over there, uh, I wanted to make sure my my house was looked after. So I had people coming in and looking at looking after my house from time to time. Uh, so I purchased a couple of Nest cams 
from Nest, or the company that makes the you know the thinking ther- learning thermostats and all that. So I put a couple of these around the house, and I got to tell you, it was such a peace of mind being able to just grab my phone, open the app, and say, "Yeah, what's going on in my office right now?" and click that and see this room, right? Or click on another button and see my kitchen and see what's going on in there, or see what's going on in my garage, you know. So I, I picked up a couple of those and put them around the house, and I was thinking they're going to work okay. I probably won't use them after this, but I'm using them all the time. Mm-hmm. The negative of these Nest products, <laughs> the Nest Cam products, are you would think that they're set up so that they would start recording when they trigger motion or not record, but they don't. If you have it on, if you have these Nest Cams on all the time, they are constantly transmitting data to the Nest, the Next servers. It's secure, but it's using your bandwidth, constantly sending HD data up to the servers. So when I had I bought a bunch of these things and I turned them all on and I'm like, why is Netflix stuttering? (laughs) (laughs) I have fast bandwidth here, but I have no you know, everything slows down because they were saturating my bandwidth. So what I ended up doing is I'm thinking, you know, I really don't need to see the garage all the time. Be great if it had motion sensing on it and it would just trigger and turn on when it saw motion, then turn off. They don't have that feature yet. Apparently, people have been asking for it. But what I've been doing is if I want to see what's going on in my kitchen and I'm out, I just turn on the camera, look, and then turn it back off. You can do it from the remote or from the from the app. So that's my uh, that's my second pick with that caveat. Don't get it thinking that you're going to put these in your house and let them run all the time forever because you're not going to do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, it's going to suck up all your bandwidth and you will be upset. All right, guys, uh, before we end the show, what's what's uh, what do you got planned for? Geez, this is the last show of 2015. The last show. This is the very last show. Valerie, I know you're doing a special show on uh, on Street Focus soon for the end of the year. Right. You haven't recorded that yet, have you? Yeah, we did. Um, oh, you did? Kind of, um, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we did that three years ago. <laughs> no, I did a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get things at least a week in advance. There you, um, go. there you go. So yeah, it's kind of a you know tips and good resolutions. You know, maybe 2016 is the year that you decide not to buy gear and just spend your money on a trip or education or something. You know, things like Blast that. So for we, me. Blast we just, for me. Uh, we, no, just, no, no. we just threw some <laughs> some project project ideas and you know for street photographers mostly. So yeah. it's uh, it's going to be a fun show and it's going to be released on uh, New Year's Eve. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, lots of good shows coming on Street Focus, and uh, and I'm starting um, the workshop, the 2016 workshop season with Paris in three weeks. So, oh. and then it's a new destination or two uh, every month after that. <laughs> and you're are you how how is the 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 sign up rate on those? Because every time I talk to you, you're like, oh yeah, they're all sold out. Uh, yeah, it's uh, everything is sold out for 2016 except a couple spots in Rome, and I just opened Vancouver a couple weeks ago um, in August, and I think it's two thirds full. But there are still oh, uh, about three spots. But yeah, Paris through the fall is waiting lists and. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's how many, how many people I'm, I'm do you just take? about to open 2017, actually. Oh, geez. Um, how many how many people do you take on each workshop? Uh ten. Okay. Ten. Yeah. Seems like the 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 uh the current number that I hear from a lot of workshop people That's that good. run these things. Very cool. You're busy. Okay, we got mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Shiv <laughs> Shiv, what about you? What's going on? 
I am going to get the 100-400, Valerie. Just remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's going to be in 2016. I think uh, I see a little drool down there. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, well, January is, is big. I'm doing this uh, birding festival in uh, Titusville, the mm. Space Ghost Birding Festival. And that's where hopefully Panasonic's going to ship me one of these lenses that I'll be able to use. Um, and that's, uh, you know, six days of uh, doing, or like you do, photo walks. I mean, these are kind of photo walks, but they're birding walks. Uh, two, two walks a day, plus some presentations in the auditorium. So that's going to be uh, lots of fun. And, uh, you know, fortunately, the folks will have the opportunity to use gear that's I'm going to have available for them. So lots of Panasonic uh, cameras and lenses and stuff like that. So that that's uh, that's on for January, and then what I'm really looking forward to in 2016 is a brand new trip, and this one's going to be to Ethiopia. Oh, nice. Ethiopia! Yes, really? Yes. What? What? Uh, where? Where in Ethiopia? A couple going? of places, primarily focusing in on the the tribes, uh, the Omo oh. tribe in particular. So getting those dates finalized, getting those you know sort of. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fifteen days, and I'm that's a dream. Okay, we got yeah. we got to talk about that offline. Yes. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Um, very good. Congratulations on all that. That's crazy. Um, for me, what's happening next month? I'm heading out to DC for some things I can't really talk about yet. Uh, Valerie, you know why I'm going there. <laughs> no, Shiv, you probably know too, but I can't. Your January I can't. You can't talk about it. It's every January. Every you January. You have to shoot us if yes. he tells us. So. I, yeah, I wouldn't, but some people might. So, so, so that's happening. Um, heading out for that. Looking forward to that. And then I'll be joining Valerie in June along with a bunch of other TWIP people like Rob Knight and who is it? Uh, Scott Bourne will be there. You know, tons of people from TWIP will be there. And that's out of, uh, yeah, that's in, out of Chicago in June. Then in October, I'm doing the out of New York event, which is in obviously New York. And then I'm heading back to Vietnam again. This time I'm going to the far North um, and then down to the far South. So I think I'll be in Vietnam for like a whole month this time, starting in November of, uh, actually I'm going to leave and go to Vietnam directly from New York. So I'll be in I'll be on the road from October through probably yeah the mid mid November I'll be back for the holidays this time. So, so you get to do the rice fields. Yes, yes, and waterfalls and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be insanity. And by then I will be confident enough to bring my confident and competent enough to bring my drone with me. So we'll see some Vietnam shots from the air. So, and don't forget all the stuff you learned to pack. Oh, I'm packing nothing. I'm bringing bringing all black, washable underwear, convertible pants. Waterproof um, shoes. (laughs) Waterproof shoes. Done. I'm I'm actually, you should see my floor in my office because I'm right now I'm reorganizing like the different pods. I have a, I have a pile of like, uh, what is it? Insect stuff that goes in a separate bag i have a pile of power things or power adapters for all the different regions in the world that i go to and then i have another pile of like you know tylenol and anti-diarrheal and all this other stuff in a separate pile so check the expiration dates 
oh yeah yeah that i should put that on my checklist Make that's sure something check. we didn't talk about but it's so important to bring you know meds that you're used to because you you won't find the same thing in i mean anywhere yeah. and outside of the country so it's important to to have a little bit of everything yeah, sure. yeah, it's yeah. a little, a little upon, micro pharmacy. Yeah. Based upon the length of the trip, make sure you have a few extra days because you never know where you could get stuck. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Hey, one one last thing. Speaking of sickness and and all that stuff, um, travel insurance. Do you guys purchase travel insurance and travel health insurance when you're when you're gone, or how do you how do you, Shiv, how, do you how do you handle that? Travel insurance, yes, and yeah. uh, with travel insurance, you also get. You know the uh, airlift ambulance if needed and stuff like that. That all comes part part of the package. And where do but, you get that from? Is that come from come from your regular insurance provider? Or do you? Get no, that? no. There there are there are travel insurance providers. It's there are links on my website for it, okay. and I can send you those. But but the important thing is just make sure that your insurance that you have your health insurance. Uh, you know, you take your cards with you because if something were to happen, you're going to have to pay out of pocket. But they'll reimburse you when you get back. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal because especially traveling to different countries or third world countries, a lot of right. stuff can happen. Yeah. And, and one one of the things that you should always ask is in the group, is there anybody who has a health issue that may require? And then, you know, you make sure that where you go, you've had at least some contact or communication with in the event of yeah. Valerie, what about you? Any any thoughts on health insurance for travelers? Yeah, definitely people should have uh, travel insurance when they travel. I mean, especially if they're on a tour, even, you know, something happens to them just before they leave the tour for the tour, um, then their travel insurance will um, cover their trip because they can't get their money back. I mean, everything is already paid for. Sometimes their flight won't even be transferable. Or mm -hmm. So um, travel insurance is, is pretty important. And then, um, yeah, for, for medical, I mean, like, for example, in France, it, getting medical, uh, getting treatment will be cheaper than what your copay would be in the U.S. anyway. Yeah, so yeah. uh, you don't really have to worry about paying up front and then getting your money back because uh, chances are, you know, we've, we've done uh, just not on my tours, but like for the kids, we've done some ER, you know, ambulance mm -hmm. trip, ER uh, stitches was less than a hundred dollars. Everything included yeah. when <sighs> our copay here is 500, if we have an emergency. So oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, we don't even need the bill, you know, yeah, we don't here's even probably need like, you know, a hundred dollars per millimeter of suture thread. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, good grief. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I feel like we could go another hour talking about this stuff. It's, uh, you know, this is valuable. I hope it was helpful for a lot of people. Please send me all the links that you guys want added to the show notes and we'll, we'll add them in there and make this this post and this show kind of a resource for people that are getting ready to go places um, and uh, so that they have a good time and get great photos instead of having trauma while they're away. That's right. right. And right. A, a very happy new year to everybody. And, yes. Uh, yes. Happy new year. Yep. Thank you, TWIP listeners, for all of your support in 2015. And let's crush it in 2016. And be sure to listen to Street Focus because right. that is an awesome show and Valerie crushes it every single week over there. <laughs> all right. That's a plug. Valerie, you can send me the check later. For that. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys, we're at the yes. we're at the end of another episode of TWIP. I want to thank our sponsors, both FreshBooks and Linda, for their support of the show. And be sure to visit our website, obviously, at thisweekinphoto.com. With that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.